And we coming from a basement to your headphones. Barely even know who we are, but changing the unknown. In a wild time in the chart. Thank you for downloading the Podcastianos. Now, here are your hosts, Jordan Hall and Eric Wayne. Welcome into another episode of the Podcastianos. I'm Jordan Hall, and I'm joined as always by a man whose shadow is constantly blocking out the sun. It's Eric <laughs> Wayne. Eric, how are you, homie? Just call me fat. No, <laughs> it it means that your, your ego and your your reputation are so large <laughs> oh, yeah. that, that they block. I, I out do the sun. cast a large shallow shadow. Everything is in my umbra. Yes. You know. <laughs> So what was Eclipse Day like for you today? Did you get into it? Uh, I was home with the kids today, so we we did. First thing I did was took them to the local public library, and I waited in line to get a pair of uh, Eclipse glasses, the approved, and they were the NASA-approved glasses. So we had those, and then we waited. You wait around, and... Um, I have to tell you, I tried to get them excited about the eclipse because, you know, they're not going to see it again until they're old. You know, this is a once in a, what, three, four decade experience. Like, you know, I'm telling them about the eclipse and science and this isn't amazing. And they're like, uh, it didn't get very dark, dad. So what you're telling oh, me is sorry, that you're, you're not funny. raising nerds. It, it sounds like you're you're doing a good job if they're skeptical at you. Yeah, they're like, this is lame, and they went back to their iPads. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was a little bit of a bummer that it wasn't closer to us here in in Michigan. Um, It got, like... eh, Is it cloudy or is it dark? Like, it was kind of... It it was in that range, which which wasn't cool. You could could tell it was darkening. You know, I'm significantly farther south than than you of course but there was a little bit of darkening now my my mom and dad some of my family they made the drive all the way down across the ohio river into kentucky to watch this thing and they were they were trying to talk me into going so what do you do do you go it's about an eight and a half hour drive and i was just kind of like I don't think I'm going to do that. No, that's a kids. that's a fake excuse kind of kind of situation. I'm sick. I I have the bronchitis, something like that. Rolled my you ankle. Know, I, I strongly considered going, but just that much, you know, car time with my kids, and I was kind of like, yeah, maybe not. Were you surprised a little uh, at how much like America just flat out went nuts for it today? Considering we're not like into you know hashtag smart things like science. No, I, I'm not surprised because we, we as a nation, we need this. We desperately, at our soul, need something that is apolitical, is generally positive, and is very unifying. I went to the library. Everybody's hanging out, talking about the eclipse. I mean, it's very public. It's very universal. I'm very curious as to why the library is your source of... Uh eclipse glasses i wouldn't necessarily put like two and two together there because they were free and they had them are they are they expecting (laughs) them back in two weeks i mean is is that what we're talking about here no these are these like you know the cheap ones come on 
Uh, we, we watched it in the office on the Weather Channel. That was actually our go-to. Um, so two, did, did you go outside? I mean, I was outside at points. Yeah, I, I looked out a window. But no, the, the very first girl, I think she was in Oregon. When it hit, they came back to her, and she's in tears. Like, she's seen this, and she is flat-out crying from the experience. Which makes me think, you know, that's that's a bit much. And then, are you familiar with Jim Cantore? He's kind of like the the weather man. Like he's he's the guy. I'm I'm remotely familiar. Well, he was in Carbondale, Illinois, which is apparently where it was going yep. to be fullest, the longest. Yep. And apparently, right when it reached that point, a cloud came over, so they couldn't really see it. And he was no. ready to murder somebody. It was the funniest no, thing. Like not for him, but for us. I'm like. Jim, I I actually don't really have strong feelings for you or whatever, but this is really, really funny. Well, to me, that there, there's kind of two things you can observe with it. One is you get the glasses on, you look at the sun, and oh, yep, there comes the moon. It's in front of the sun, just as just as anticipated. But to me, the more interesting or as interesting part is looking at the landscape around you and seeing the darkening to me that would be as interesting and that doesn't really matter if there's clouds or not like you could see the atmosphere around you darkening especially if you're at the 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 belt of totality or whatever they call it yeah i heard the the term totality about 116 Mm -hmm. times more than i ever wanted to in my entire life um so let's move on from this science nonsense we'll get to this week's leadoff question uh, if you had the chance to be in attendance for any rare generational sporting occurrence past, you know, something that has happened or something that you would you'd like to see in the future, a, an event that happens, you know, every year, whatever, what would you choose to see? Um, probably the Olympics, I would think, just because it's so rare. Maybe one of the marquee events like the the 100 meter dash or something like that. I would have loved to see one of Us- Usain Bolt's. Uh, feats of speed um if you were going to pick a, a particular event wouldn't it be the uh was it the 36 uh uh 1936 berlin olympic games the jesse the owens jesse owens one yeah that would have been i don't know if it's, it's right about there that would be to me one of the most spectacular sporting events in history yeah when he middle fingered hitler for what yeah. you know a full week or however long the olympics go um yeah. i actually didn't go back super far i thought it would have been Really cool to have been part of Game 7 of last year's World Series. Mm, the Cubs mm-hmm. finally doing it. You know, I don't have anything, you know, I, don't, I have a little bit of a soft spot for them just because, you know, lovable losers and all that stuff. But to see history be made, and that game was, I mean, that's as good it as an it amazing gets. Game. Um, it had everything. That would have been, pro- I would have loved to have been at that one. Um, and also, the 99... Uh, Champions League final, Manchester United came back from a goal down to score two in the final, you know, minute and extra time. Um, that was clearly before I liked soccer, but uh, that would have right. been just phenomenal to have been at. That, that Cubs-Indians World Series, I was fairly neutral, and my blood pressure is through the roof, you know, and I'm just hanging on every action that takes place. I can't imagine being a lifelong Cubs fan and experiencing that. I'd be I'd be on my knees on the carpet. Like I can't Blow I can't imagine a paper bag. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, if it, if the t- Tigers ever get there again, I, I'm going to be a mess. Dude, we're going to be old, old by the time that happens. 
Just kidding. Positivity. We will need blood pressure medication at that time. <laughs> It'll be non-related to the to the circumstances. Uh, on the Twitter, I am at Jordan Hall twenty three. Eric is at Comeric Eric, and the show is at Podcastianos. On Instagram, I am at Jordino four. Eric is once again at Comeric Eric. Facebook.com backslash podcastianos. And we'd love it if you would take the time to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, uh, or whatever other platform you're listening to the show on. And if you like the show um, and you see us tweet like, hey, listen to the show, just just throw us a retweet. A lot of you guys do that, and we appreciate it. Um, it helps other people to find our show. And we have a review from this week. Are you excited? I am. Um, it's called – or the title is Great Podcast. It's from RedCube77. Um, this is what he, he gave us five stars. He slash she. I don't know who Red Cube is. Uh, I enjoy the running the stories. I, I, I like this person. Uh, make Making the ride home or a great listen at work. So thank you, Red Cube, for getting in touch with us. If you uh, want to leave us a review, make it funny, make it amusing, and we will read it out on next week's show. Cause, cause do, you think Red Cube, like do you think Red Cube 1 through Red Cube 76 was taken already? I'm Blaine Hardy, and you're listening to the podcast, Janos. Eric, I feel like we've reached the point uh, in the season where if you, as in you, or you, the listener, are still watching the Tigers games regularly, like, you deserve a big kudos. Obviously, Mm -hmm. I still am because I'm a glutton for punishment. Um, But it's been an extremely difficult week to turn on the old Fox Sports Detroit. Let's walk it back to the Texas series. Um, As you may remember, we got hammered three straight times in Arlington, Johnny Kane showed us uh, his adventures down in the Fort Worth stockyards. He's been soldiering through the season like a champ. Like his features game has been strong, no matter what has happened. Do you know on-field challenges? Nothing. Johnny Kane's right there. Are you saying he's making features like it's his job? Because <laughs> it is his job. It is his job, but he does it with such verb yeah. and gusto. Yeah. Mm. John, okay. Johnny Kane has cashed in less than. 72 percent of the active roster wow um i gotta i gotta confess i I know you're big into johnny but but my heart still beats for shannon hogan i miss shannon i want shannon back why what what and not that you know shannon could take trevor's spot or something they could coexist Sure, sure. I, I I miss Shannon. I I still follow her on Twitter and I watch her Islanders tweets or whatever. And just because I can't let her go, I can't let you go, Shannon. What? I like Shannon. She, I mean, she was fine. I don't. What What is her her distinguishing feature? Uh, I don't know. She just seemed nice. She seemed to. I don't. I don't know. I probably shouldn't she, grill you on this too much, considering I have. Not a ton of basis for my Johnny Kane love. <laughs> I think she had just a little bit of wry, uh, I'm in on the gag kind of humor about her. Like, I'm doing something ridiculous, and I, I don't know it's ridiculous. She had a little bit of vibe about her. So I, I like Shannon a lot. Okay. I, I, I'll give you that. Um, and lastly, uh, part of the, the Texas series, we were treated to the feud um, that none of us knew we needed, but apparently we did. And that was Ian Kinsler versus Angel Hernandez. Monday night, Hernandez threw Kinsler out in the fifth for arguing balls and strikes. And then somehow things got spicier from there. Um, by now, you should know the quote from after the game. He, 
Hernandez <laughs> needs to reevaluate his career choice. He really does. Uh, he's messing with baseball games blatantly. That was said by by Ian Kinsler. Um, frustrating season. Are you okay with Ian going in on him so so personally? Uh, I'm not upset about it. Now, your first option would be to go to the league file a complaint, write a letter saying this particular umpire is exhibiting a pattern of poor performance, right? That would be your first and best choice. I imagine that that route has been exhausted. And I imagine the league knows perfectly well that players do not approve of the performance of Angel Hernandez. And I think Kinsler is just pretty much fed up with them. Yeah, absolutely. And good. I, th- I think he's probably right. Yeah, there's there's that the report that said that 22 percent of all yes. baseball players reported him as the worst umpire in baseball. And I think what it comes down to is, um, it's not necessarily like Ian is saying, you know, I want this immediate change, you know, kick him out. I think he would take that, but I don't, you know, he's not trying to get institutional change here. He's just venting his frustration right. and things may, may have spiraled a little bit more than, than he was uh, expecting. I think he's well within his right to have a go. Like as, you yeah. know, I was going to say as broadcasters, as bloggers, shall we say, as broadcasters, as, you know, journalists, we all have our right to, to have a go at players. I mean, even down to little league world series players that are taking a beating on Twitter. Sometimes Um, there's nothing about an umpire that makes you inherently immune to criticism. I mean, the, the idea of your job is whether you are correct or not. And if you're not correct more than you're correct, you're going to going to take some, some beating, especially from a guy who is as feisty as Kinsler. It's part of the long history of baseball to yell at umpires, isn't it? I mean, it's kind of a cliche that people go to a ball game to yell at the umpires. Umpires should know a little bit what they are signing up for. This is part of the lore of baseball. And also, Kinsler didn't talk about his mother. He didn't bring up anything you know, real personal. Yeah. He just basically said he is not doing his job. He is f word bad at his job <laughs> i mean if what else what else are you going to con- um criticize an umpire for i yeah. mean that is he's getting to the heart of the matter and that is he thinks he's doing a bad job yeah he's not saying that he's you know he takes from the poor and you know stuff like that he's just saying right. that what he does for for a living is not something that he's well suited for. Which and Kinsler's not even saying, "Oh, they're giving the other team calls and they're not giving us calls." It didn't seem to me Kinsler was even going there. It was just you were bad across the board, and uh, I see this seems kind of fine to me. Now, they the league came down on him, Kinsler, pretty hard. Now, no suspension, but they gave him a ten thousand dollar suspension how how you feel about that appropriate inappropriate uh i mean i I, it's so hard to think of money in the terms of what major league baseball players think of money as like they just work in a completely separate financial world that than we do um you know it's a lot of money osman says that it's as big as he's seen clearly this is not the worst thing that anyone has said in a post-game press conference like you know, clearly, right. maybe it was a little bit much, but you know, he he did have 
his go, and that's part of you know part of America. You know, you can say what you want, and then you suffer the consequences. And he's but he didn't pay it. He didn't do any flamboyant theatrics or run out and pretend to pantomime pooping on the plate or throwing <laughs> a sweatshirt on it or something. I mean, this uh, he yelled. And um, I don't know, a fine, a small fine would seem more appropriate to me. A suspension would be completely unnecessary. But and yeah. truly, I think it brings to light something that that doesn't get talked about much. There isn't a ton of umpire uh, accountability. Like you see the same guys running out there year after year after year after. I'm sure there's some sort of yep. review process. But you know, when somebody's is heading there? heading the umpire union, their job isn't going to be to get less umpires in the major leagues. It's going to keep be to keep the guys who are there there. Um, yeah. you know, if Kinsler was having a down year, he'd be gone. You know, Angel Hernandez could right. have a terrible year and he's still going to be calling, you know, strike 3. Yep. Um, so, now, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to set up the the um, now the thing with the wristbands. Uh, of course, Country Joe West uh, is the head of the umpires union, and he put together this letter, this press release, basically saying that uh, they are going to be wearing white wristbands in protest of the verbal abuse that they're receiving from players. What did you make of this? Appropriate or or too much? I think it it's very interesting coming from Country Joe West because everyone knows that there's nothing that Country Joe West likes more than a little bit of FaceTime. If it had come from somebody else, I would say, eh, I'm, I still would be kind of against it. It's kind of a prima donna move. Just just shut up. But, um, you know, I, I, they have – they're well within their rights to wear them, but we are well within our rights to say shut up and not take them seriously. I was seeing universal opinion that this is a little ridiculous and that they should kind of suck it up. I did not see a lot of umpire sympathy. Here's, I mean, here's the deal. Within 10 years, they're all going to be gone anyway. So maybe they should be enjoying this while they still have it. Robot umps are coming. And <laughs> we, we, maybe we need to start cozying up to them now because clearly we're not getting, you know, awesome. Kids are wasn't getting the calls with, with the, the human umpires. Right. Since you brought it up, I have one hot take on robot umpires that I'll, uh, I will opine for you. We have rolled out review to me in a backwards way. We have all these things that we can review on the base paths and so forth that are kind of judgment calls. Um, but we've got we can't touch balls and strikes, right? Balls and strikes, the sacred human element or whatever. To me. Balls and strikes could be the first and easiest thing to robot ump. Fox tracks. They, they wear a little buzzer on their hip, and if it's a strike, it buzzes, and you put up your right hand. Yes. If it does not buzz, you stand there. Like, this would be the easiest thing. Nobody would know that it's a robot ump except the, the little buzz on your hip. Like, to me, that's... A no-brainer. That's the easiest thing to robot up. Yeah, that's a really good good point. I never, I never thought about it that way. Yeah, no, I'm not. You're not going to put a green light, red light, or anything like that. It, you can still get the theatrics of a person out there doing. Just, I mean, like in the tennis match, you know, they got the little machine. Nobody, nobody questions it. Like, uh, the balls and strikes would be super easy and seamless. I think. Yeah, I, I feel like I come. From, 
come at this from a little bit different perspective. I am maybe maybe more traditionalist. I don't have any problem with the human element in baseball. Over the course of 162 games, there are enough calls, balls and strikes, out safe, you know, home run, you know, double, that everything is going to even itself out. There are going to be years that maybe it's slightly imbalanced, but over the course of a career, you know, it's going to even out. I don't necessarily have any problem with just having, what do they have, four, five, six umpires, depending on, you know, the magnitude of the game. Just let them do their job. But with that being said, they should have the right to um, be spoken to at at times and i think another interesting aspect of this is he threw kinsler out of the game like that wasn't necessarily something that needed to have been done and when you go not above and beyond the rules because it's well within his right to do so but this is not something he had to do and when you do something like that you are inviting on on yourself extra scrutiny extra criticism and that's right that's exactly what he's gotten rod allen uh, in the commentary Hot was not yeah. was not having much sympathy for Angel Hernandez. I mean, he was saying, "Oh, he's going out of his way to pick a fight," and um, I couldn't couldn't disagree with him. I did think it was interesting too that the next game, the normal rotation would have Hernandez uh, as the second base umpire, but they moved him to third to keep him away from Kinsler. What do you think about that? I think that says volumes about him, as in Hernandez, not not about Kinsler, right. that he can't handle it. And if if you can't handle him chirping at you for nine nine innings, like how are how are you umpiring at the highest level? It just it's yep. it blows my mind. Um, Osmus and Kinsler both came back at the uh, at the umpire protest, I guess you'd say. Um, this is this is the one thing that I thought was really funny. Osma said, to, and I'm quoting here, to single out one player is completely wrong and goes against what the sport is. I agree, but our buddy Ian Kinsler literally just singled out a specific umpire. Um, <laughs> right. Little, little rich for my taste, but I, 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 mean, I don't know if Brad intended that to be tongue-in-cheek or whatever, but I thought that was really, really funny. Right. Yeah, like it wasn't the umpires are doing a bad job. No, no, no. It was Hernandez is doing a bad job. That's it. That's a good call. Um, so obviously they just kind of both of them just just doubled down. Um, at what point do we need to be smart and maybe walk this back a little bit so we start getting some calls? I mean, I, I know that this isn't something that's going to, you know, mentally factor into the umpires uh, calling of the game. But in other way, it might mentally factor into the umpire's calling. What do you think's the psychology? What do you think's the psychology on that? If you're too hard on the umpires, they're gonna have uh, take vengeance on you and not give you calls. Or are you of the NBA model where if a coach is riding you and riding you for a call, you finally get one? I would say it's it's the first one. Uh, in in MLB, I my perspective would be that i I believe that a buddy buddy manager with the umpire is going to get more um more calls just interesting uh just as a you know what so you got a cozy up instead of carrot instead of stick yeah absolutely um and i don't necessarily have any strong uh backing to that but it's not somebody you know when when an umpire or a ref runs up and down the floor they're passing the the opposing head coach you know every single trip and he's going to be in his ear every single time whereas you know you can yell stuff from the dugout obviously they can hear it it's just not quite as the dynamic isn't as direct i guess i would say okay so i was reading one of these 538 or some kind of semi-scientific 
breakdowns of home field advantage, um, not just in baseball, but in, in football and basketball and hockey as well. And they were trying to uh, figure out why the home team always does significantly better, right? They're, they're trying to break down the, the particular factors of what makes it. Now, baseball is a little different because you get last bats, right? Mm -hmm. um, but in other sports, leave that aside for a second. So they're trying to break down what makes the home team so much better. Um, is it familiarity with the playing surface? Is it, um, you know, the, the energy that they're getting from the crowd and they've, they've used all their science and they found that the biggest factor in the biggest reason why home teams do better is the crowd's influence on the officiating. That's really interesting. And I thought it was really interesting. I'd have to find the article back. But that was like uh, towards the top or I thought it was the number one thing because the psychology of the crowd and, the you know, the hard hardness of uh, calling against the crowd and the affirmation, um, you know, just even subconscious affirmation of calling that the crowd uh, appreciates um, changes the course of the game significantly. Yeah. And so. the truth is it's a combination of a million things. Like, of course, it's always course. it's always in the nuance. Um, not to, that everything relates to soccer, but Thierry Henry, who is, for those of you who don't know, a very good soccer player. Um, yeah. He he had a quote about how and, you know, this is greatly paraphrasing, but essentially when you're playing at home, your positional sense is so much better because you'll look up and see, you know, an advertising thing. And just by your, like where you are compared to that, you know exactly where on the field you are. And I think that it's kind of that spatial awareness, not necessarily in baseball, but, you know, basketball, football, hockey even. Um, I think that that can play a really big factor into yeah. and maybe for outfielders, um, you know, more, more than infielders in that regard. Maybe. I'll have to find that article. Yeah, that'd be good. That is interesting. Um, so right. obviously, we followed up the debacle in Texas uh, with an extremely tough Dodgers series. Uh, we played them pretty tough, but it took Verlander to have a no-hit bid to actually get us in the win column. Um, it was nice to be adjacent to greatness, even for a weekend. <laughs> yeah, and to see Curtis again. Yeah, that was kind of a a fun timing thing that he was able to make his Dodgers debut at Comerica. Yeah, the I crowd got, gave him a nice hand. I got to be honest. I looked like, wait, when did this happen? And then I checked my phone. <laughs> like, I'm like, okay, just. today. That, that, that makes me feel a little bit better. Um, mm -hmm. I think that the Dodgers are a really good model. Like, you look top to bottom. They're solid. They have some guys that, you know, obviously their pitching staff is just loaded. But, you know, Justin Turner, Chris Taylor, like, all of these guys – on their own don't necessarily look like just absolute world beaters. And obviously Corey Seager is a really, really good player. So is Bellinger. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's, it is a, it's an interesting take on where baseball is that you don't have these massive mashers, these, you know, big time superstars in the middle of what is apparently going to be, you know, record wise, possibly the greatest team of all time. So if you're using this as a model, you would suggest one, spending an enormously large buttload of money and two having the most amazing prospects in baseball come up at the right time yes i think that is the model i mean <laughs> look at i mean look at the cubs okay. they didn't spend a buttload of money but they certainly they certainly spent quite a bit and it, had the the prospects come up uh, i i really do think that winning the world series right now i mean it does take 
that's essentially the combination that you need. Yeah. You need luck and the the money. Stunt. I mean, even what Kansas City did that. They had their, their golden generation with Hosmer and Sal Perez, and then you mix that in with some of the some of the, the free agent starting pitching signings that they made and you know, it, it worked. Um, that clearly wasn't where I was going with when I said the model, but I mean, I guess that is the model. The stars need to align or in this case, the moon. (laughs) Um, so let's talk a little bit about the rotation, uh, before we go into your power rankings, everything has kind of gone to crap over the last month or so. Um, Mm. been trying guys out. Alex Presley has been in right field a lot. I think that that kind of sums it up. feels like not quite a spring training atmosphere yet, but but we're getting there. But the rotation, I think, is something that we can glean meaningful takeaways from still the season. You know, it, no matter what the circumstance is, when, when Verlander goes out there, his his performance isn't dependent on what's going on around him. Um, and unless something unforeseen happens, this is essentially the rotation we'll be taking into 2018 uh, or at least it will be when Norris rejoins it. Like, this, this is essentially... Uh, what it's going to be. So let's take a second, digest what each starter has been up to recently, um, and maybe where our optimism level is for them going into next year. And we've run a little bit long, so maybe we'll kind of just zoom through this a little bit. But let's start with Verlander. Uh, he's been the subject of trade rumors, and somehow he's been brilliant in at least eight yep. of the nine last starts. Back to striking out guys in elite level. Stuff is amazing again. Um, I wrote down the word ageless. I feel like we're approaching that that level with him. I don't know about age less, but I think he is um, he's age stable. I think he's I, I don't think he's going to have a precipitous drop off. I guess, I guess maybe that was where I was coming. from. Yeah. And uh, I, you know, I think it says a lot about him that we're in the last third, last quarter of the season. I don't know what it is. And he is stronger than ever. Right. Um, he has a way of figuring things out. Um, his his strength and stamina is still very good. I am stunned, stunned that the Astros are not pressing harder for him. I, you know, it, I think the Tigers would chip in three, four million dollars a year for the last couple of years of his contract. And they would take like a two, a number two prospect and like an eight and a 12 or something like that. Like not the biggest names. Um, and Astros are just not having anything to do with that. To me, it makes so much sense for the Astros because, okay, he, they have the payroll space. So Verlander is a mid rotation guy for the next year, couple of years. Who cares? You could use that. If you're the Astros, you mix him in with Keuchel and McCullers and and, You're solid. For and what years. they have right now, he's their ace. I mean, I, I you know, Keiko's <laughs> been good, and everyone else has been, you know, probably pitching a little bit above their level. But he is your absolute ace. I've kind of gone back and forth on Verlander on whether I would like them to trade him. I'm, I think, I've reached to the point where, if we get good again, if if this project ends up coming to fruition and we, you know, make it back to that top top table, I still think Verlander is a big, big part of that team. You know, there there are guys like like Zimmerman, some of the, and you know, even even maybe Fulmer, depending on on what happens long term with the with the elbow issue that I'm not so sure about. But Verlander, four years from now, I feel relatively confident that he is a he's still um, mid rotation, mid rotation or better. Op, op, level. He could op. win the playoff game for you if Kenny Rogers is out there winning playoff games for you. Verlander is gonna win, could win a playoff so, game for so you. So much guile though with Kenny. Well. 
Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's go out of 10. What is your, your 2018 Verlander optimism? Uh, seven. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I'll, I'll go eight. I think he's going to be just Six. just just shy of that, uh, you know, really challenging for the Cy Young group. Because there, there are some uber elite starting pitchers in the AL right now that maybe he is just a tick below. Uh, okay, yep. let's move on. Michael Fulmer missed a start with an elbow issue, which has me all kinds of nervous. But it was essentially just one. I uh, threw a gem against the Dodgers on Saturday, uh, but was poor leading up to and immediately after the DL stint, which you assume is related to the elbow. Um, but all in all, three, 3.60 ERA this year, 18 of 23 quality starts on the year. There's not much you can say that hasn't been said about Michael Fulmer. He isn't the most uh, charismatic of of starting pitchers, but he is as rock solid as as it gets, especially for for a young kid. He brings it a lot of energy, really good stuff. I, I think there's still a really bright future for him. Yeah, I I feel like I've made this comparison a bunch of times, but I really do think that a Jake Peavy career. And if he could, if if PV would have stayed healthy, I mean, who knows what what that career could have looked like? But I feel like they're very similar pitchers, and you know, that's a good comparison. PV won a Cy Young. Yep. Um, okay, let's move on. The real question mark in my oh optimism level for 2018. Eight. Ten. I'm going ten. He's he's gonna he's gonna get even better. Uh, okay. okay. Zimmerman. Real question mark. Uh, what do you what do you do with him? Like I don't even know where to stand on him. Uh, recently, he's been bombed in back to back outings, one of which we were there for. Uh, before that, three straight quality starts, went seven innings, um, and then before that, he kind of alternated okay and not terrible outings. Essentially, since June, you know, clearly we're never getting our number two money out of him. But like, where where are you at on him? I I, I can't get a real firm grasp on him. I think you have a mid-rotation starter who is um, showing some age and wear and inconsistency because of it. Uh, I think you do nothing but run him out there yeah. and see what he gives you, and you hope. I, and you hope he gives you a quality start. I guess I guess I come at him maybe uh, he is a more of a back end of your rotation kind of guy who, has, who can on occasion pitch more like a, a middle of the rotation guy. Um, I don't know. It's it's a it's a bummer because obviously the first you know what four or five starts before he got hurt last year it was looking like the sign of the century and things have have gone downhill quickly. Uh, your level of optimism for Jay Zim for excuse me Jay Z I believe that's that's what the jerseys would have him be called right. for 2018 for next year uh, four yeah that seems about right I could see him turning in a 10 and 14 season with an ERA around five. Does that feel reasonable? Probably. <laughs> All right, last one, because obviously we haven't seen Norris in, you know, many moons, so it's hard, hard to tell what's going on with him. Uh, but Boyd, after his recall, three great starts, and then in his last three, he's only pitched five once. I feel like with him, you've just seen so many flashes, both like this guy can really stick and can really do it, and then at the same time, there's been flashes of uh, maybe he just doesn't have – quite what it takes to cut it at this level i i don't know um i i want to really like him he's he's one of the guys that, that i really root for but um i i i just like zimmerman i'm definitely caught in the middle on, on that void 
Uh, I'm not feeling it with Boyd. I feel like Boyd's a placeholder until one of the younger kids can come up. Until you get Burroughs or Manning or somebody who's ready. Which is fine. I mean, yeah. Boyd's going to be in the mix as one of these placeholders. Yeah, uh, just, just like Verhagen. Kind of. <laughs> no, I was mostly just kidding about that. We, we'd gone, what, 35 minutes and there had been no Verhagen mentioned. So. Yeah, he's not that good. All right, let's move on to your power rankings. <laughs> All right, power rankings. I have for you, we talked a lot about it. Let's talk about it some more. We, I have for you, natural phenomenon. Oh, this is Natural be phenomenon. So this would be space and or atmospheric natural phenomenon. Of course. In the air. Okay, you ready? Oh, born ready. Number seven is a comet. Comets are cool. Uh they are very cyclical. The most famous comet is Halley's Comet. comes around about every 75 years. So strap in for 2061 for Halley's Comet coming back around. Yeah. Ready? You excited? I, I'm not. I feel like the, the comment on the NBC, the more you know, like that really ruined it for me. Like it's just so cheesy. I don't know. Give you false comet body standards. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, you got to look it through a telescope pretty much to see a comet. Comet that's it's number seven. Yeah, if I can't see it with my eye, with my eyes, it's like is it, can... is it actually real? I don't know. The, can you the... see? Can you see a comet with your eyes? I don't know. You're, I this is your can... power rankings. You tell me. Crud Hall, I don't know. I think you can. If, oh, okay. Right. If, if you can see it with your eyes, then I'm more in on it. All right, it's number seven. We're at the bottom. Just okay. relax. It's a comet. Sorry, I'm getting a little too heated too soon. Number six is tides. Tides are cool. The water rushes in, the water rushes out. Tides remind me, um, you know, going to Florida, you know, you look at the chart and figure out when the low tide is. You can collect shells and stuff. It's kind of cool. Um, one recommendation, two weeks in a row now, film recommendation. You have to go see Rivers and Tides. It's a documentary about this artist. His name is Andy Goldsworthy. It sounds cheesy. It sounds terrible. Watch Rivers and Tides. It's very soothing. If you've had a bad day, watch Rivers and Tides. You'll love it. You know the best part about tides is the birds that like run down when the tide goes out, and then the tide comes in, and they're like, holy crap, got to get out of here. Like little sandpipers or whatever. Yeah. Love those guys. Okay. Number five is a meteor shower. Yeah. So falling stars, they're actually meteors. Sometimes the Earth collides with a whole cluster of these things. I was told like a couple weeks ago there was a big meteor shower. I seem to always miss them. Maybe and, maybe the meteor showers should have a better like social media game. Just pick yeah, up their publicity. They should. They should have a little better representation. Yeah, just tweet at meteor showers and let, let them know that that tip. Yeah. Uh, so you're you're looking in the sky and I always seem to miss them. Because people are like, oh, there's one. Did you see it? No, I, I didn't. I'm looking. Well, you got to look up at it. What do you think I'm doing? I'm looking so, for the falling stars? Stop it. So you're the slow one that we're pointing stuff out to. Okay, good to know. Yeah, that's true. Not catching the meteors. Okay. Uh, number four is uh, lightning and thunder. Now, most people say thunder and lightning. Why would you say that? It goes lightning first, and then the thunder comes afterwards. So this is basically like a thunderstorm. You ever have one of those real hot, humid summer days, and you you sit and you look to the west and you watch a thunderstorm roll in, and it just feels kind of exciting and interesting. You ever do that? I feels- 
yeah, I mean, I don't know that I've ever watched it like come in off the water, but that does sound sound fun. I don't I don't mind a thunderstorm. Yeah. yeah. Now they can be a little dangerous. That's you know, but just be a look. Just don't be an idiot when it comes to thunderstorms. I feel like that's, stay inside. Yeah. Don't hold a giant metal pole in a field or something. You probably shouldn't do that in any scenario, though. Right. But thunder and lightning, or lightning and thunder in this case, is cool. Uh, number three, here we go. Solar eclipse. Solar eclipse is rare. That makes it exciting. Everybody talks about it. It is a cool phenomenon. It destroys its brother, the lunar eclipse, in the amount of excitement. Lunar eclipses are kind of trash. Yeah, that's the um, redheaded stuff. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But it, it was cool. It was fun. I enjoyed it. I'm excited for the next one. Solar Eclipse. Yeah, me too, for right. sure. Number two is the Northern Lights or Aurora Borealis, if you're going to get all scientific. I understand these are absolutely spectacular. I've caught little glimpses of them from time to time. They would be number one, except for you have to be pretty far north. And it's got to be clear, and you're, it's cold. It seems like a lot of work. It does. I don't want to work at it. It seems like the kind of thing that you would would take a vacation like to Alaska to see. Like I do, yeah. I do agree. I think it would be absolutely incredible to see. Yeah, but once in your life or whatever, you'd you'd go out of your way to see some Northern Lights. Yeah, I, especially if there's orcas around too. Yeah. Uh, number one, you have a guess? Not a clue. Number one is a blizzard. Blizzards are awesome because stuff gets canceled and you can cancel your plans and stay inside. Blizzards are not dangerous. You know how you survive a blizzard? You stay inside. You do nothing. You do nothing. So so here's the problem that normal people have with blizzards is that stuff doesn't (laughs) actually get canceled for you. You still have to go to your crappy job because it isn't really canceled. Just school and school-related activities. Okay, so you – I'm over I'm 18. West. I'm out of school. Okay. So you – a blizzard comes in. It's big news. Everybody – you don't go into work. You say, I was snowed in because of the blizzard. Everybody understands. It's fine. So you're advocating to our listeners to lie. Well, I mean if there's a big blizzard, yeah, you just stay in. Do a puzzle and make some cocoa. Ugh. Blizzards are great. Snow is Stuff the worst. Snow and cold are the worst. Which makes sense because I live in I live in Traverse City where we don't get any of either of those. Made a stupid life choice. I definitely. All right, bottom three. Uh, third from the worst is tornado. Tornadoes are super destructive, but you kind of know they're coming. And uh, I'm talking to you, Kansas, Oklahoma people. <laughs> Maybe you don't live in the way of one, but they have sirens. You know they're coming. Uh, you can at least get in the basement. Yeah. You know, don't live in a trailer park. Yeah, tornadoes are kind of dicks. Yeah, they're kind of dicks. <laughs> Number two is a drought. Hmm. Like, a drought isn't an immediate life or death situation, but when it can kind of destroy your life, it can destroy countries if you're not getting enough rain. Droughts are pretty bad. Yeah, that, that's a sleeper one right there. Good call. Drought, bad. Number one, got to guess? Nope. Worst natural phenomenon. Hurricanes. I don't know. It is. It's hurricanes. Oh, hurricanes. Look at me go. Super destructive. 
And because you get the wind and you get the flooding, you get the storm surge. You think of what Katrina did to New Orleans. And I still remember Hugo in South Carolina and Andrew in Florida. When they're naming stuff like that, I mean, it's pretty bad. Hurricanes are bad. Now, you do get a warning, but there is nothing you can do to get out of the way of these things. Either they, like, crush you or they don't. I feel like hurricanes are really bad. Don't don't go into a hurricane. Okay, that's power rankings. Hello, this is Eric's mom, and you're listening to the podcast Yanos. It's just good life advice. Uh, right. So last week we discussed how I had seen three empty fireball bottles on the side of the road while running. Yeah. Do you recall? This- Listeners, do you recall? That's all I've thought about since. I was irritated by the littering. Well, it appears that someone is just straight up trolling me. This week, I found four new bottles. Not not all Fireball at this time, so it appears that they're diversifying their alcohol consumption. There was a Popov vodka uh, bottle, which I'm assuming is straight from Russia. Um, and there was one that was face down, so I couldn't see it. And, of course, the other two were, were Fireball. That's clearly their favorite. Um, so those for those counting at home, that's uh, roughly... I don't know, maybe 20 miles of road that I run between various routes uh, regularly. There are some, now seven empty bottles of alcohol. Um, so obviously we have like a heavy drinker in the area with a littering problem. Or I suppose it could you be think, a, a litterer with a drinking problem. I'm not sure which you'd Do you think take. this person's running too? He's running the same routes while they're boozing it up and tossing their empties? Sure. That would at least be kind of the healthier option. <laughs> stumbling around <laughs> running and drinking oh mix it up though buy some classier booze yeah for real give me something new to look at exactly. enough fireball enough fireball okay let's get into some listener questions uh the first one comes in from evan at evan ken 95 do you two have any book recommendations mm, no <laughs> i i just my my wife bought for me and i just cracked open um uh, at a recommendation, uh, terror in the city of champions. Ooh. So this is about, um, like, uh, I should probably know better if I'm going to talk about it, but it's about Detroit and the tigers and how, uh, um, and I guess 35, 1935, they won the championship and uh, there's a gang going around killing people. It's very reminiscent to me of devil in the white city, which I really liked. Yeah. There's a book recommendation for you. Devil in the white city. I enjoyed nonfiction. But this is, I think, kind of a knockoff of it, but I'm going to give it a try. All right. I only read soccer books. Um, so one that one that I would recommend is called Das Reboot by Raphael Honigstein. It is about essentially how Germany reset their system and then won the World Series. <laughs> the world cup um it's it heavily features jürgen klinsmann so whoever is mm. interested in the u.s men's national team uh w- might find some of the things that he did for germany and then for us you know kind of the parallels uh mm. to be interesting it worked for them and then for us it worked um less some a little uh so that would be uh my book recommendation but that's only if you like soccer if you don't then then read something else um, Nicholas Haller asks us, what is the best pop? Mm, I like regular Coca-Cola, but 
I really like the Mexican variety where they make it with the real sugar. You can buy it at Meyer. You got to go to the Me- Mexican section, but that's the best pop. Regular Latin American Coke. The problem with getting it at Meyer is then you're at Meyer and you probably like just you couldn't have made a worse life decision. Well, it's either Meyer or you drive to Mexico and you get some. I would rather spend. I mean, it'd be about the same amount of time. I could wait in line at Meyer in Traverse City for nine and a half hours. Or I could jump on a plane, fly to Mexico City, and pick some up there. I mean, it's it's virtually the same. Uh, I will actually go with Coke too, though. Uh, Coke is, I mean, it was the first, I think, and it's it's still the best. One quick story: When I was in high school and college, I worked a construction job, and I would drink Mountain Dew. That was my favorite. I'd, in the morning, Mountain Dew, lunch, Mountain Dew, uh, end of the day, Mountain Dew. I was drinking four 20 ounces a day Yikes. and I started getting stomach aches and I went to the doctor and they're like, uh, are you drinking anything acidic or eating anything acidic? And I'm like, well, I drink a lot of mountain dude. They're like, yeah, you have an ulcer. So I got an ulcer from drinking too much Mountain Dew. And since then I really haven't, I don't drink a lot of, a lot of pop, a lot of soda. Yeah. I'll have some occasionally, but yeah, I, I drink it for taste. I don't drink it for like uh thirst quenching. If that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Yep. Um, you drink pop in the morning? What kind of deviant were you? This was before I started drinking coffee. Now I ruin my health and system with coffee. There's nothing wrong with coffee. I, I read that two cups a day is good for you. Well, I should be healthier and snot. You're healthy as a horse. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, next one. At Tigers underscore opinions. Uh, music to listen to while running on the side of the road. I'm assuming this one's for you. Uh... Stop, don't do it when you want to get to it. Stop, don't run. That's what I'd do. No, you absolutely should run. It is good for your health. It Um, is good for you. Don't listen to me. I actually don't listen to music when I run. I listen to soccer podcasts, and this is clearly not a uh, look at us plea because I can't imagine listening to our dribble while I was exercising. Um, But find, find a topic you're interested in, and there is... Um, I mean, unless it's like bird watching or something, there's probably a million things, a million podcasts out there on it. I like, guarantee you, there's a bird watching podcast. Yeah, I guarantee you. That's, prob- that's probably true. It's probably probably gets better ratings than we do. Yeah. Um, and if you have to do music, uh, I don't know. Hip hop. I I tend to listen EDM. to music I like as opposed to like uh, pump up music. I don't know. I find that, oh, okay. that like a pump up soundtrack kind of gets a bit tiresome. So I'll throw on some some Kid Cudi. That's my guy. I'm an EDM guy, so I like EDM. Pretend I don't know what EDM stands for. Electronic dance music. Ah, okay. I'm following you now. Uh, Billy Robinson asks us, Comerica Park is good, but not great. What changes, feasible or otherwise, would you, uh, would making it great? Uh, And then in parentheses, other than winning. Sad smiley face. I think they did some cool things with that New Amsterdam bar area. Like they put, um, chairs with like little tables around like so you can just go and sit there and just chill because I feel like the farther away you get the more space and amenities you should have yeah makes sense that that to me makes makes good sense um otherwise I think they do a pretty good job I always complained about their um concession stands on the seat side of the concourse and how they looked so temporary and cheesy and kind of clumsy. Mm-hmm. And then sure shoot. And they replace those with more 
um, permanent setups that look really nice and are, are better. Um, I mean, uh, Comerica Park is set up, unless you're getting like opening day, you get long lines for the bathroom and stuff like that. But you get outside of opening day, they do a pretty nice job. Yeah, I'd like to see more more local. Um, I know there are some, but some more local vendors as far as uh, yeah. drinks and food Choices. options. That would be that'd be cool. And, you know, it's just Choice. it's the stuff like that that makes it, you know, more of a Detroit feel where, you know, we're heavily pumping the, the district Detroit, like bring in some of the area coffee houses you know barbecue etc etc i think that would be a nice touch all right i let's, agree let's... that's a good call jordan we should we should tweet at at tigers mm-hmm. i'm sure they're just on pins and needles for our suggestions wouldn't it be fun to have like a um a stretch of like 12 booths maybe on the far con or the far walkway kind of um by the statues but on the other side just like 12 permanent booths but like a rotation of people or restaurants or vendors who come and set up their booth to offer their wares for a game so not permanent but like a rotation absolutely so people could get a taste of you know their offerings that'd be kind of essentially take the eastern market and put it inside america on a rotating yeah that's a that's a really cool idea we were at progressive um not i don't think not last year but the year before and there was there it seemed like they kind of had that a little bit more of a rotation a couple of the places that we had actually eaten whitney's a big uh foodie so we had you know picked out some of the more clevelandy places and they actually had places that they were selling their stuff in inside too and that was it was good we we enjoyed our time there we we'll get right. on our boys with the tigers and tell them what to do with that yes yeah, yeah definitely because we have all kinds of pull um Last two questions come in from the Troya brothers. Uh, first one comes from Jeremy. All of the questions should be the better Troya. Eclipse related. Uh, who is the ti- who's the tiger most likely to stare directly at the eclipse? It's kind of who's the densest tiger. Yeah, he I has guess. in parentheses basically who's an idiot. I don't know. I feel like Jeremy Bonderman <laughs> would be a good candidate if he was around yet. I can see Nick doing it. I love Nick, but I can see him doing yeah. it. Uh, all right, last one. Anthony asks us, uh, Dixon keeps hitting yet still isn't playing multiple days a week. Thoughts? Mixing more Dixon. Yeah, it's irritating. I I want to see him play. Uh, I'm not I, – I, I said a couple weeks ago that every at-bat we give to Iglesias is, is wasting that at-bat, and I don't think that anymore. I probably didn't even think that at the time. But it, it bothers me how uh, – how many at bats he's getting compared to Dixon because we know nothing about what Dixon is. Yeah. And we're, we need more Dixon of the way through the year. We um, need more Dixon. I have two more things that I want to bring up. We're actually, we're not running as long as we normally do. So I actually, I've, I put these in as time allowance, uh, two, two no. subjects. I actually got into this one with one of my childhood friends, um, today on Twitter. What are your thoughts on Guy Fieri? Oh, uh, the diners, drive-ins, and dives guy? Yeah. With the bleach hair or whatever? Yeah. I don't know. He, uh, He's a good guide to get to Flavortown. <laughs> See, I don't know. He's I feel fine. like a lot of people make fun of him because clearly the look is interesting. He's um, over the top. And he is over the top. He's such a good guy. Like, our favorite our favorite show right now is Guy's Grocery Games, which he is obviously oh, the host oh, of. Jeez. It's he refers to it as Triple G. Guy is, I mean, obviously you can't tell from watching him on TV, but he seems like the most genuine, down to earth, cool dude, and he's uber talented. Really? He can host a million. He's different things. uber 
talented. He is a chef and a TV host. He is an incredible chef who also has incredible on-air skills. There are on-air people in broadcasting who don't have incredible on-air skills and have no other talents. How do you you feel about Larry the Cable Guy? I'm putting him in that kind of category. Part of me just died, you making that. (laughs) Um, Guy Fieri is a... You're pumping him up like he's uh, a prodigy or something. He is. He's a guy with frosted tips he is... who likes to eat food. This is not fancy. Um, uh, and I, I, I've thought about this over the last week or so. I think he is the the celebrity I would most like to meet. I think he would be Come on, incredible Paul. to hang out with for an evening. This you're just you're just saying this to be a contrarian hot taker. I mean, you don't really want to hang out with Guy Fieri. I think it would be a heck of a night. <laughs> okay, guys, you and guys, Guy can... I'm sick of people making fun of him. I'm putting my foot down, just like you do. All right. Um, all right. All right so who who is your celebrity you'd most like to meet, for, uh, for well, whatever reason? Uh, in the world of cooking, no, any. I mean, you can do cooking if you'd like, but it could be any. And you've I already know, I don't, you've, you've crossed Phil off the list, so clearly yeah, he's. I don't I don't want to meet any celebrities. They're high maintenance. It's hassle. I feel bad hanging out with them. I don't know. Mike Allstott, maybe he's still my favorite football player. Maybe me and Mike could hang out. We could go. He likes to fish. We go to Florida. We'd go to fish with Mike Allstott. All right. I want to do something with my celebrity. I just don't want to fawn over them and, you know, bend the knee like you are with the guy Fieri. What? I want to do something. Guy and I are just hanging out. He would he he would play <laughs> FIFA with me or you know whatever. Eat, eat, eat. Yes, he, we would clearly do that too. Um, and the other question I figured can I think we might take next week off. Just FYI for the listeners. Um, so I feel like this is kind of timely. Do you think that uh, Rafa Benitez is still the manager of Newcastle the next time we record? I do. I do. Just I, – I, I'm in pain. I was so excited for Newcastle season to begin. They're in the Premier League. They're going to be great. And, okay, you lose to uh, Tottenham. Very Understandable. They're a good team. Now – you get rolled by Huddersfield. Come on. Who was worse than you last year in a lower division? Uh, yeah. We we beat Huddersfield, I think, twice last year, and now we lose. The, uh, now I'm not excited, and Rafa is understandably pissy with the ownership, and the owners are bad. Why did you bring it up? Now I'm sad. Um, I do think that you guys are going to be fine. I think I think he quits before the next time we record, and I think you guys will be fine. I don't think you're going to have a great season, but I think you stay up. We've had like we've had so many crap managers through there. Ugh. All right. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can on Twitter. I am at Jordan Hall 23. Eric is at Comeric Eric. And the show is at Podcastianos. On Instagram, I am at Jordino 4. Eric is at Comeric Eric. Uh, Facebook.com backslash Podcastianos. And we'd love it if you would take the time to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, uh, or whatever other platform you're listening to the show on. Eric, do you have anything else to say to the people before we get out of here for the week? No, I'm too sad about Newcastle to talk about anything. With that being said, we will catch all of you guys possibly next week, possibly the week after. Uh, and eat them up, Tigers. Eat them up. Goodbye. 
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.